Welcome to Mackie's World, the podcast. Yeah, that's Mackie. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today is episode 19. Yeah, yeah, 19. So uh, today I have a special guest with me. Uh, she goes by the name of Tara from the It's Tara Boulevard podcast. So welcome to Mackie's World. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me today. Of course, of course. I had to get you on. I definitely want to have you on here and get your perspective on uh, just life. And I like how you um, really tackle motivation. I know it's more from like a, a, a woman's perspective, but I'm also getting some knowledge from you too. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course. You're welcome. I'm glad you're listening. I needed your perspective and feedback on it too. So I'm just here to serve the people. <laughs> and uh, you're definitely doing that. So thank you. So um, I have to start here. You know, um, you are familiar with uh, Mackie's World. So, you know, every episode, for the most part, <laughs> we start off with uh, Mackie's music. So you choose two songs that's in your current playlist. And, uh, yeah, we, we go from there. So I'll go ahead and start off just to make it um, a little bit easier on you so you can get some, get some time to think about what you listen to. Um, for me right now, I'm going a little old school here. Um, I Wish by Carl Thomas. If you have not heard that song, I definitely recommend it. Um, it's about him messing with a girl. He finds out she's married, and now he's mad. Uh, so uh, it's a hilarious song, but it's uh, definitely a banger. And then another song in my current rotation is Aaliyah, um, I Don't Wanna. Um, I mean, it's Aaliyah, so I, I don't got to say much about that. So you guys know the vibes already. So um, yeah, Tara, what about you? What's in your playlist right now? I've been listening to, I don't know if you've heard of her. Her name is Asian, and she has a song called Messed Up. It's on her new EP, and it has a fire beat. Like, if you listen to, I mean, if you listen to that beat, it's going to make you love that song. So I've been listening to that on repeat. But also, I have to shout out Tink because that is my best friend. In my head, I want her to be my best friend. <laughs> I want her to be my best friend in real life, but Mind Blown off of her EP is amazing as well. So that's what I've been listening to on repeat. Definitely got to add that to my rotation. I'm, I'm always looking for uh, new music. If you have any recs, again, Mackie's Period World on Instagram. That's where you can find me. Feel free to shoot me a DM. I will respond in a timely manner. And, um, yeah, if y'all want my current playlist as well, I will definitely share it with you guys because uh, I got nothing but bangers on there. And, again, it's very R&B-centered. Uh, I like the slow music better than rap, just me personally. I have to say, Jamal, your playlists actually are fire. So if you guys want some new music, <laughs> really reach out because he is always the DJ. I promise the playlist is going to be hot. I appreciate that. Thank you. That means a lot. That means a lot. You know what's funny? This is actually a random story and definitely off topic. Um, going into 2020, uh, we had a gathering for New Year's. Do you remember that? We had hella, like, yes. a bunch of people come over. So, Game night. Yeah, it was lit. It was lit. And I was DJ. Uh, nothing but bangers. Um, so the following day, me and my fiance, your friend, we got hella sick. So I'm convinced somebody at that party gave us COVID. Before COVID was, like, really a thing. No one... Well, I guess you could be asymptomatic. Whoa. Was that right? Yeah, asymptomatic, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. 
I guess that's the thing, <laughs> but that actually sucks. Because yeah, I think everyone else felt amazing after they left. We had so much fun. <laughs> so <laughs> to hear that you guys got sick the next day is a little. Uh... Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> it was so bad. Like, yeah, it was crazy. But um... I think a lot of I think a lot of black people are like, I think that. Well, I think I got COVID before COVID was a real thing. <laughs> Have you heard that? Yeah. <laughs> so many people have been like, I promise I was sick in October and you guys told me it was the flu. Like, I've heard that so many times, so I'm not surprised actually. Bro, I swear it was like the worst sickness I ever had in my life. I've never been that sick. I missed like a week and a half of work. Like I couldn't eat anything. Like it was bad. But Dang, I feel like this is the first time I'm hearing about this. <laughs> yeah, we kept it low key. I was embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, let's just jump right in here. Um, I think this is definitely going to be a good um, interview slash conversation. So you mentioned uh, black people. Let's start there. I know you went uh, to a HBCU. Um, before we dive into that, let's kind of set the setting here. So we're both from Portland, Oregon, a uh, predominantly white city. So how was that transition going uh, to an HBCU from Portland? How, how did that go? Was it like a learning experience, like a learning curve, culture shock? It was a little bit of all of that. I know that when I left Portland, I turned 18 the day before classes started. I went to Clark Atlanta, and I mean, I was so scared. I didn't think that I was until I got to school and realized I have never been around this many Black people mm. ever in my life. And... I, let alone been to the South. So it definitely was a culture shock. I know on my first day there, my mom was with me, of course. Mm -hmm. And she's that kind of mom that pushes you into like everyone, like introduces you for yourself. Like, Hey, this is my <laughs> daughter, Tara, be her friend. Like that's my mom. And yeah. I remember one day I went down to the cafeteria thinking she was going to come in there with me. Cause this is still orientation. And she was like, no, I'm not going with you. You have to go in there and make some friends. Like, I'm not going to be here. And so I go into the cafeteria. I use my swipe. And I look around, and I just get so scared. <laughs> I, and I, so I walk out of the cafeteria, and I go back to my mom, who was standing on the other side of the glass. Why did you leave? And I'm like, please come with me. I need someone to eat with. And she's like, no, I won't be here. So I try to go back to walk into the cafeteria again in the in the um, woman at the counter was like, you can't come in. You've already used your swipe. And so I was not only embarrassed because there's a line, but I was so mad. All I could do was like yell at my mom. She didn't deserve it. But I was like, that's fine. I'm going to go to my room. I'll just eat raviolis. Like I, I had that mean girls moment where she was like eating in the bathroom by herself. Except that was me in my dorm room. Yeah, I was yeah. so scared that first day, but that's it funny. ended up being amazing. So that sounded funny. So I am curious though, like, what made you want to go to an HBCU? Was that like a intentional decision or like walk me through that, that process? I think initially when I started looking at colleges, HBCUs were something that I wanted to have as an alternative. I looked and I saw like some pretty schools in California that are on the beach. You know, you look and they're like, look, look about, I mean, think about the weather you know, think about mm -hmm. what state you want to live in, look at the majors. And eventually I realized that I did not want to be 
that one chocolate chip in a cookie. Like I wanted <laughs> to go somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. Like you, you understand exactly what I mean. Exactly. I wanted yeah. to be somewhere where I was the majority and that is just kind of where I landed. I went to Atlanta to visit my, some family and to look around at some schools. And I had the most informal tour walking through Clark Atlanta's campus and everyone there was just so natural and so real. And I felt like the sun was shining a little brighter on that (laughs) campus than any other campuses I walked on. And I was like, this is it. I have to be here. I just have to. So it it definitely stemmed from being, not seeing my, my people and not seeing them in the light that I wanted to see them, Mm -hmm. especially in Portland and needing that, community so that's what led me to an hbcu that's dope. why didn't you what what was your decision but behind college what did what did you think uh, do you want to know my honest answer um i do my honest answer behind my college choice was uh it's gonna sound really bad but i did not want to write like uh a paper to get into a school so it was something with the easiest and simplest um application yes application i don't know why that word just let alone blank from that yes the easiest application possible i want to go to that school um but hindsight 2020 i kind of wish i went to an hbcu um really just because like i'm seeing like all the stuff with you know black lives matter and everything and like uh these black campuses being highlighted more it just seems really dope and Another dumb comment, but I did like Drumline a lot growing up, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like it would have been lit to see a Drumline band like live. So, yeah, I kind of regret my decision, but at the same time, I feel like everything happens for a reason. So, Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned yeah. the culture shock. Uh, how long did it take you to get acclimated being in Atlanta, being at HBCU? How long did it take? I think, so on my first day of classes, I walked to, it was English at 9 a.m. And I walked into the classroom and everyone was just sitting there. And I realized that everyone was maybe not as scared as I was, but still nervous Mm -hmm. because this was still the first day of school. And so I looked around. The teacher wasn't there yet. And I stood up and was like, hey, I'm Tara. I'm from Portland, Oregon. <laughs> like, I just <laughs> I just introduced myself. And I did that in all of my classes because I realized, like, in every class, we all had that same face. So by the end of the day, I felt more comfortable being around everyone. And then other people, of course, chimed in and jumped up. They felt like it was their time to, you know, introduce themselves too, which it was to lighten the mood. But mm-hmm. I think, there were times where I encountered something new and I was like, whoa, I've never had this before. Like when I was at school, that's where I learned how to braid, how to (laughs) really do, how to really do hair, you know, how to hustle, like that mentality and everything. Those things were new to me and it definitely took a, a little while. Also the accents, like you're, you're in college, you get people from everywhere, from every state, different dialects, different. Yeah. It was a lot to try to understand one person's version of English to the next person. <laughs> and then all I would hear is, you sound white, you know, that, that thing. I figured, but... yep, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> you must be right, especially when I say I'm from Oregon. They're like, that makes sense. They While well, they're calling it Oregon. But, <laughs> <laughs> but 
but yeah, it it definitely was like something you eased into. But by the by the end of first semester, I realized like I love it here. I love my friends, mm-hmm. and it was just great being in a place where race wasn't a question or something that kept coming up in conversations or made you feel uncomfortable. Everyone was on the same playing field. And yeah, it was just like this cultural immersion. That's what it became. At first it was culture shock and then it became more of a cultural immersion for sure. That's dope. Yeah. I wish I had that experience. (sighs) Yeah. That's what you're, I think that's, if I could have just spent my money on, on the experience, like, I, it's still worth it. Of course, I got the education, but mm-hmm. that experience of being surrounded by people that look like you and you don't have to be afraid of, like, your individuality. Mm-hmm. I think in Portland, you have to always speak for everyone Black oh, yeah. in any room mm-hmm. that you're in, right? And so then you lose that sense of you just being you. And when I was at Clark Atlanta, I could be myself like that was I wasn't speaking for every person everyone had their own voice and I think that's really what I learned there is to embrace my individuality because that's that's your your best quality right you being you yeah I mean you always drop a knowledge too so thanks for that that gym just be yourself ultimately yeah <laughs> now I have to ask a little sidebar here did it ever drive you crazy when people would say Oregon because uh, for me, yeah. it, it does. Let's call it Oregon, please. <laughs> yeah, I would just give that subtle correction. Yeah, Oregon. Uh-huh. And then the, the next question after that would be, there are black people there? And I would say, <laughs> well, there's at least three because my parents made me. <laughs> but, yeah, that definitely was uh, something I had to be the spokeswoman for, how to pronounce Oregon. That's hella funny. So, uh, what was your biggest takeaway once you uh, graduated college? What did you learn? What did I, I think our school, CAU's model is find a way or make one. And if you encounter anybody that went to CAU, they will always say that. And it's because it's so true. Like, that's the only, those are the only options that you have, right? Mm-hmm. The only options that you, that you want to entertain because just stop or quit are not things I want to do. So in the lowest of times, find a way to make one work. In the, you know, best of times when you're trying to make a good decision, like find a way to make one, it still works out. So I think that that's what I would say my biggest takeaway was. Outside of the be yourself, because that is something I definitely grew into in those mm-hmm. four years. Totally, totally. Yeah, that's, uh, again, more more gyms. I love it. So let's fast forward to a um, interesting year, 2020. Uh, you kind of gave me a gem of what you learned about yourself being at an HBCU. But what was your biggest takeaway of 2020 as a whole? I mean, yes, we're still dealing with COVID now. But what have you learned about yourself so far through this journey? Yeah, one thing I learned, I had two big things. One is that I needed to rest. Mm, yep. I we we are always on the go and I didn't realize until you we literally just had to stop and it was so hard for me to like just lay in bed for a few days especially once you know all of the closures happened and lockdown really got locked down yeah <laughs> it it took me some time to really understand that this is what life is right now 
embrace this moment to rest because you are always on the go. Like while you can't do, you know, you can't do what you usually do, get some of that time back. Right. But the most important thing I learned is that I was the only, like I would make excuses and it would just be me. Like as far as working out and having that (laughs) discipline to work out, there was literally no reason why I couldn't do these things before Mm -hmm. because in quarantine, I would be like, I'm going to work out tomorrow. I've laid, you know, I've laid in the bed all day. I don't feel like getting up right now. I'm going to do it tomorrow. And I'm like, wow, I am literally the only reason why I don't have as much discipline as I think I I should have right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So I definitely learned how to acknowledge that and have a do it right now, do it in the moment kind of mindset just to, to get basically my feet all off out of the bed and on the floor on a lot of things. Like I need to clean the dishes. Just do it now. I need to go to the store. Just <laughs> do it now. I need to work out. Just do it now. And I think that's helped because now I don't have to force myself to do things. It's kind of starting to become innate. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that once life gets as back to normal, which I saw this meme and it said, saying when life gets back to normal or when COVID's over sounds like Rihanna's album release. Like we don't know (laughs) when that's going (laughs) to, we don't know when that's going to really happen, but I hope that this is something that I can maintain, especially as things start to open back up and, you know, you start committing more things. So. No, yeah, I agree with your initial statement as, um, we're always on the go and it's like, there was no time for us to really just, like, sit back and rest, you know. One weekend, you're busy hanging out with friends. The next weekend, you're doing this and that. And, yeah, COVID really shut all of that down. And it really exposed who you kind of are at your core, in a way. You know, again, with the, you know, I don't feel like working out. I'll do it another day. I'll do it this day. It's like, really, you're just making up excuses for no reason. So just do it now. But yeah, the the sitting back and resting that really resonates with me the most, honestly. Yeah. What did you learn? I want to hear what did you learn? I know you kind of shared some on your podcast before, but uh I would say that I'm learning I feel like every day's a learning process or I learn something new about myself. Um I would start off with the podcast, honestly. With the podcast, I learned that Really, I am the only barrier to my success. Meaning, mm-hmm. I could have did this podcast before COVID started, but again, I can find an easy excuse. You know what? I'm going to play basketball for three hours in the morning. You know what? No, I'm going to go to the gym, or no, I'm going to just lay down, or I'm going to play some video games, or whatever the case may be. I can just build on excuse on top of excuses. I'm going to go to the bar. But in our reality, it's like a, this podcast and just like, uh, expressing who I am through this forum or this medium is something I've been wanting to do for a while, but all the all the excuses kept popping up for me. So having a chance to really just analyze who I am and what I want out of life, you know, COVID really exposed that, honestly. Yeah, I, I feel that 100%. <laughs> so um, I know during COVID, uh, I, I saw your Instagram, uh, you were working on <laughs> photography in uh, your podcast. What came about that? And now you mentioned that you had a blog as well. Uh, so talk to me about that process of, of doing all these different things and uh, being a creative. Yeah, so I initially had a blog and I kind of realized 
one, I don't, not I don't like to write, but when I write, I start to overthink and I think the message gets lost, right? I'm trying to make it perfect for whoever reads it. And by the end, it's not even what I wanted to say, but I think in talking, you get your point across, you get the emotion across, you get that, you know, genuine feel to come through. And so blogs kind of transition into Tara Boulevard, which is this platform that I created where we're all working towards this journey, right? It's for millennials who are all working in, towards something, but you might not have all of the answers while you're on that journey, while you're working towards that goal, and you need some encouragement. And that's where you come to Terra Boulevard. Like, I feel a little lost. I need to uh, pick me up. Come to Terra Boulevard, and that's what I'm there to provide, right? Because a lot of the podcasts that I were I was listening to were people that were, you know, deep into their career, doing exactly what they wanted. I'm making six figures on my way to seven. Mm-hmm. It's this easy. But they're not really sharing exactly like all of the hardships it took to get to that level in their career or that step by step. Right. I want somebody that's like along alongside me on this journey. And so that's what I felt like people needed, like that reassurance, because that's what I need. I know where I want to end up. I don't necessarily know how I'm going to get there, but I want to make sure that I'm still making those steps. And that I'm not pausing because I'm overwhelmed or because I feel intimidated by my thoughts. So I try and lay Tara Boulevard, an open space where you can be vulnerable. And by we, it's, you know, I mean me, I'm talking to myself majority of the time because it's things that I need to hear. But I love when people reach back out and they're like, you know, Tara, you said some amazing things that I needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. Most of the times I'm just talking to myself. And if you listen to the episode, I'm really happy you listened and that you got something from it. But yeah, it's like it's it's like therapy, right? To to sure. talk on your podcast mm-hmm. and to be able to express yourself exactly how you want to. But um, the photography is something I always wanted to get into, and I kind of kept mentioning it to my mom, like I want a camera, and eventually it got to the point where I was like, I'm gonna buy a camera. But then my birthday was coming up, and so I try to keep kind of pushing for it. <laughs> And my mom was like, this is all you're getting for the year, this camera. So she bought me a camera. It was amazing. I'm so happy she did that. But I love photography and, and, you know, I'm just jumping into it. I'm not amazing, but I am. I think I'm okay, actually. Yeah, you're definitely good. Yeah. Check out my Instagram. Uh, I got some dope pics on there from you. So I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) They are pretty dope. But I just like that you, again, get to share your perspective. And this time it's a little bit more visual as opposed to the podcast where I'm talking. I I don't know. I just like that aspect of I can see the beauty in this thing that I'm taking a picture of. Or my perspective is, is what you're enjoying, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, the picture looks nice. But you wouldn't have got this if I wasn't behind the camera to see it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That's what I enjoy about photography. It just lets me see things from a different perspective, especially when you get to sit back and, and really analyze the things you took pictures of. Now, sometimes the shoot doesn't come out the best, but then that's where you, you learn. Yeah, definitely. Now, I do want to circle back to um, the reason why you made your podcast. I do like how you mentioned that, yeah, I'm, I'm listening to other podcasts. They're talking about, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm making six figures. I'm going to make a million dollars now. Like, you know, people... 
they only see like the end result, but never that journey. So the fact that he was like, you know what, I need kind of that that mid that middleman kind of like walking me through that step, and I did it for, for myself. I think that's like the most telling part of it because you know you figured out what you were missing and you kind of created it for yourself, and now you're helping other people. So. Um, yeah, the, the journey is definitely a beautiful thing sometimes, and it can get ugly, it can get annoying, frustrating. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's like, if you're being true to yourself, it'll pay off eventually. Right. And you have to find the beauty in your own journey. Like, everyone's is not going to be the same, right? There's going to be some ups and downs, but the most important thing that I've learned is that you life keeps going. I think that's I think that's the craziest thing. When you get stuck or, like, get overwhelmed and you pause and maybe you like get into this phase where you don't want to do anything for a week. Right. Mm -hmm. That week went by life kept going on while you were in that, that little funk, which you should have, you know, you're feel your feelings. I get like that too. But what, because life keeps going, I don't want to waste time where I don't have to, you know, taking that time yeah. to rest. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what that's what COVID taught us. Take some time to rest, especially if you're if you're feeling those things, but don't stop. Because from experience you've already learned that literally stopping gets you nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like you said, COVID's a prime example of the world not stopping no matter how you feel. Because the world doesn't really care about your feelings. It's gonna keep going. No matter if you're happy, sad, or depressed, it doesn't really matter. It's going to keep going. So um, finding ways to appreciate life as a whole and um, even taking care of yourself mentally, right? That is speaking to a therapist, whatever the case may be, you know, but helping you get over those humps in life because, again, the world's going to keep turning. You got to try to keep up with it sometimes, but also it's okay to rest because uh, you got to you gotta recharge your, your mental as well. Right. Totally. So uh, thanks for giving me that insight into uh, Tara Boulevard. Uh, definitely check that out. Now, uh, we were talking off-air, um, back and forth uh, via a text message, and um, you mentioned something that I want to kind of dive into and get your perspective on it. Um, so, black women being sexualized in the media. Why did that topic um, resonate with you? Why did you want to talk about that? I was just like on Twitter, actually Instagram, and you know, Chloe and Hallie, well, they finally made separate Instagrams because they're not together right now. Mm -hmm. And Chloe posted a cute video of her dancing and staging her room. She had on underwear and like a shirt, but people were in her comments like dragging her. You're doing this for attention. Oh my God. You know, all of that, right? And that kind of made me think about women being sexualized in the media. Like, so on one end of it, a black woman is a fantasy that the media pushes. But then when I love myself too much, I'm sexualizing myself <laughs> because, <laughs> because I enjoy my curves. I'm happy to be here. I'm saging, trying to get rid of this bad energy. <laughs> and here you are in the comments, you know, attacking me, but, yeah, it's just, it kind of feels like a double-edged sword. How toxic, TV tells you one thing, and then you guys tell me something else. Yeah. How toxic is social media? Like, 
I, 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 it drives me absolutely crazy. I try to avoid comments you know, as much as possible. But the girl is dancing, minding her own business. She has no stain on her record. Even if she did, it doesn't really matter. Like, she's dancing. She's having fun. She's, again, clearing all the negative energy. But you guys are bringing it right to her. I don't understand that. Like, yeah, it's not that it's, serious at the end of the day. I mean, it's so toxic. There are times where I'm on social media and I'm like, I could delete this app right now. And then I, I don't. But <laughs> but I definitely have those thoughts. But then I can even, even as a black woman, if I want to post something, I have that conflict of, no, because this is going to be too much. Mm-hmm. But I love how I look in this picture or I love yeah. how I feel in this video. I shouldn't be ashamed of that because... If I'm at the beach and I have a swimsuit on, why can't I post? I can post that picture. But if I have on a Calvin Klein two-piece set, underwear and bra, now now it's too much. Like, thirst but that trap, internal... You know? <laughs> exactly, thirst trap. I'm trying to, yeah, do the most. But that there's that internal conflict, too. I feel because you get these mixed signals. You want, you yeah, you just get these mixed signals and, and it definitely... Makes uh, creates a lot of toxicity out there. Yeah, I mean, going back to the Chloe thing, like she had to like make a post saying like, uh, I had no idea you guys thought I was sexy and stuff. I mean, she's a pretty young lady. It's like, and then she's on social media crying and apologizing yeah. about dancing. Like these people suck, honestly. Whoever like go out their way to like try to hurt people, like it's so unnecessary. And it's like everyone can have an opinion on how someone looks or, you know, what what their intent was behind posting something. But social media makes people so brave mm-hmm. and they'll attack you behind these aliases. And I think that that's what's messed up. I felt so bad that she even felt required to go online to make this apology and, and then yeah. cry. You know, she, she didn't have to do that. But then also the there was a lot of support that I saw people posting um, to her, giving her kind words, telling her how she inspired them to embrace themselves. So there's always good with the bad, but I hate how loud the bad is, right? Mm-hmm. There could be like 10 comments saying you, you know, some something extra, just cap. And 100 million comments with positive and, and the bad still hurt. So yeah, I feel bad about in that aspect. It's funny because, I mean, we're in the era of self-love, but if you love yourself too much, that's a problem. And right. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. I heard um, a saying that said, protect black women from black women. Uh, I guess the context was actually around this topic, too, because making an assumption here, the people bashing her were most likely black women. So when you hear that, that uh, saying protect black women from black women, like what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think that hurt people hurt people is kind of the same same kind of saying in that we all have that internal voice and for some reason people are using that to say to project how they might feel about themselves on other people. Mm, mm. So, like I said, I might think to myself, oh, this is too much, right? But I don't have to comment it because, one, it's not, it's really not my business. True. That's the first thing. But, two, that how I think something looks 
has absolutely nothing to do with how that person views it or what their what their intent was behind it and there's no reason for me to push that off onto someone else so yeah like I I feel like sometimes black women everyone really just has to take that that mirror and look at themselves is this something that you're really upset about that you know Chloe is posting this video or are you upset about something that has to do with yourself mm, and you yeah. just don't realize it go to therapy because then that's that's the work <laughs> that needs to be done Ther- yeah. yeah, therapy. <laughs> Do that internal Something. work, yeah. I mean, yeah, now, this is another topic that kind of goes along with that hurt people, hurting people, and protecting black women. Um, Nega Stallion, we all know that incident, her getting shot by Tory Lane just before legal purpose, I'm going to say allegedly. Now, when Nega Stallion came out and said, I got shot by a dude, everyone's like, oh, you're a snitch, we don't believe you. <laughs> now... I don't understand that whatsoever. At first, she tried to, like, hold him down, not snitch, because the street code and all that. I'm not a street dude, so I don't know <laughs> about the street life. But, you know, um, why do you think people turn on her so quickly? Is it because she is a black woman, and historically we've seen people just degrade black women? Yeah, I think that there's just always that double standard when it comes to black women, right? And... It really is sad to see, one, if we don't have all the facts, we can't, we can't conclude anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's, true. you know, we weren't there. We have no clue. Right. But the least you, the one thing that you do know is that she got shot. Yeah. So you could at least have sympathy. You could at least, you know, check and make sure she's okay. Exactly. She's not the one going out here, you know, saying he did this, da, 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 you know, Know, like pushing this agenda she's just trying to live her life but it keeps getting brought up she keeps getting brought up there's always that that double standard when it comes to women somehow we can flip the story to where it's it's their fault or there is something that she could have did to make this not go the way it did mm-hmm. instead of just giving support totally and again, just to clarify this conversation with the peeps listening. It's allegedly, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> allegedly, and also, I know you're not, I'm not trying to make you the spokesperson for black women. I just wanted to get your thoughts on this, so uh, thanks for being receptive mm-hmm. to this conversation. Definitely appreciate it. Um, let's see here. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, we gotta practice self-love, no matter if people hate, because we gotta have that internal love. If you're having problems, I feel bad for you, son. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, but yeah, man, like we gotta believe victims until the facts come out. So I I definitely like that saying yeah. there for sure. Now, um, you also mentioned in our um, text exchange. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> you talked about the racial discrimination. Let's just talk about just black people in general. Uh, twenty twenty. Uh, people were. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna know it. I'm just gonna call the spade a spade. The whites were exposed to the other side of America that we know uh, that we know far too uh-huh. well. You know, um, black people being killed by cops, you know, and whatnot. Um, and then people want to bring up black on black crime. When I say crime is crime, you know, you, typically crime happens in the area you live in. If it's mainly black people in that area, that's still crime. You know, mainly white people in this one area, that's still crime. So I want to just debunk that black on black crime before we even go any further. Um, so what were your thoughts when you saw, like, George Floyd, Amart, 
Aubrey, Brianna Taylor, the list goes on and on, unfortunately. What were you thinking about uh, when you saw this? I was completely overwhelmed. And I think a big part of that is, you know, due to COVID, we all had that time to really stop and see what was going on. If we were able to go back to work or we had school, we had distractions, we wouldn't be able to pay attention to current events. And and that's all that we were paying attention to for a while there, right? So Mm -hmm. literally seeing videos of these of people being killed by cops is traumatizing and then these videos are circulating on that. every i mean yeah. it's dehumanizing right sure. and i i i'm it was a scary time for a little bit to go on social media but on top of that i was still going to work and so for a moment there especially that first day i i was a little nervous to go in because i didn't know what people thought, you know, mm-hmm. you, tr- you kind of have this blind eye to things. And when that was brought to our attention, I was like, oh my God, I do not want to go into this store, right? I don't yeah. want to go into this place. I don't want to talk at all. I feel overwhelmed. And oh, I, I these hear videos- you so much. I love yeah. you. Give me a hug. I hear you. I see you. I comfort you. Shut up, please. Yeah, we're Stop. here. We have this We have this line. Call if you need any emotional support. Yeah, all of that, right? But in real life, my thought was, this could be my brother. This could be my dad. This could be my friend. This could be a, a lot of people that I know. I'm looking at pictures in my phone filled with, with Black people. And I'm like, this yeah. could be anybody. This could be me, right? Yeah, this could be me. Yeah. So I know that for me... I took it upon myself to make sure that I'm holding people, at least in my workspace, because that's where I was most of my time, Mm -hmm. accountable for anything that I felt was inappropriate or that I might have brushed over before. Because I think that this also showed me that as Black people, we push a lot of things off. You're you're kind of taught to, right? Especially in Portland. You just have to ignore some things can't be too aggressive, can't be too, you know, you can't show emotions, really. You you have to be twice as good, like, yeah, all of these things real. to make up because you're Black. And I made sure to articulate to the leaders in at my job that I wouldn't be accepting that anymore. Mm. And I, left, I, I gave them a list of examples of things that I've seen happen while I was there that was inappropriate or needed some extra thought on their part, I respect that. That had yeah. to do with race, because I felt like that was the platform that I had at that time, and yeah, so I, I think it definitely made everyone more self-aware, a little bit scared, but also without this work, now we're not going to get to a better place. So I just wanted to make sure that I could play the role that I needed to in the in the capacity in which I could at the time. Absolutely. I agree with you. Um, Around that time, I had a book club at my job and we were reading. um, The book is slipping my mind right now, but it was a really good read. Uh, Oh, yeah, it was Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? Um, Good book. Um, And they also brought up race in it. And of course, I'm like one of the only black people in the book club and we're having discussions about what's going on. And they're like, oh, you know, things are going to get better and all this stuff. I'm thinking in my head like, Unfortunately, 
I don't know if things will get better. Like, you know, call me cynical, call me crazy, but this is what I've seen literally all my life, you know? It's like I've had to play a role of uh, the black guy that's not too angry, no, not too black, or, oh, you... You're so you're so articulate, Jamal. Like, oh, you're this, you're that. It's like, bro. Yeah, backhanded compliments. Right? Yeah, and it's like I gotta wear a mask. I'm like, when that no pun intended, but it's like <laughs> when that mask comes off of work, it's like oh, I can finally be myself a little bit. God, finally. But right. um, but yeah, I like how you you brought the receipts. Really, just like you know, I'm not I'm not taking this anymore. Like, I might have to steal that from you because uh, it's probably useful in, it, my, in my workplace. Yeah, and it was it was hard for sure, but. I think that I was looking around and I said, I, I feel like I have to say something. I've, and I, and I, I was a leader mm-hmm. when I worked at this place. So I, I definitely had to stick up for people that I knew were, would come to me with their problems because, you know, we have that, that similarity that we're both black. And so yeah. you feel comfortable to tell me, you know, this happened and, oh my gosh, I'm so irritated. But, but then it would be followed up with, but please don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you shouldn't have to deal with this, right? You shouldn't have to be afraid of retaliation because of some things that are going on that completely aren't right. But I think what was that last straw <laughs> was, yeah, going into the, into work and then having people come up to me and try to have these conversations about <laughs> how they how they want to, you know, try to tell their kids this. And I, you know, I just think it could be any of my friends. But somebody came up to me and they said that when we had the blackout Tuesday, that mm-hmm. they were going to just post a black square or a black, you know, post and then log off of social media because that was their free day to not have like to not look at anything that had to do with <laughs> systemic racism and Black Lives Matter. That's literally what this person told me. Right. And then they say, but I thought that's wrong. And I told them, I said, you know, well. You you wanted one day off, and I'm black every day, 24-7. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and exactly. so I don't get off days. I don't. And that is a, is a um, what's the word? A privilege, yes. Yeah. That is a privilege I am not afforded. And and that was when I realized, like, you, you're too comfortable. The fact that you could tell <laughs> me that you want a day off, a day off of viewing the things that are happening to black people that have been happening, and guess who gets to live that? I do. Exactly. Anytime you see, you know, another thing happen to someone black or, you know, another murder, another kidnapping, another anything, right? I immediately pray over everyone that I know mm-hmm. because that could, the, the statistic keeps raising. And that's like, okay, that's more of a chance that it could be someone I know now because I didn't know that person, but that's still a black person, right? Yeah, like absolutely. that's still, that's still family. Yeah. And, and, so yeah, it it definitely lit a fire under my behind <laughs> to stand up where I could in whatever capacity, like I said, that I was able to do at that time. Why, Tara? I see you. I appreciate you. I'm here for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jamal. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, as we're winding down Mackie's world, um, I want to say no. Thanks for the great discussion here. Um, I know you've been dropping gems throughout the entire episode, um, but in conclusion, uh, I like to end with um, Mackie's motivation. So, do you have any um, parting words for myself as well as the listeners? 
wow, put me on the spot with yes. the spoken word. Okay. <laughs> I think the one thing I have I have written down here that I haven't said today is <laughs> be kind to yourself. <laughs> I think we don't give ourselves enough grace. I talk about this on my podcast all the time. We don't give ourselves enough grace or enough credit for all the work that we do. So make sure that the words that you speak to yourself are a little bit kinder and that you, yeah, are just, yeah, be kinder. I don't know. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Uh, Be kind to yourself. Exactly. Definitely. Well, thank you for taking the trip to the mind of Mackie. Until next time. Peace. Bye.